Enter your name, pilot. relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses, and reminisce about it. Then, replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be making the jump to hyperspace and talking about TIE Fighter for the PC. I'm Katie. I'm Chris. We're live for our two-year anniversary, so let's talk games. Yay! I think I can be heard now. <laughs> also, I couldn't think of a better intro uh, spiel than jumping to hyperspace because I know TIE fighters can't jump to hyperspace. So Chris was upset, but tough, tough shenanigans. I did have to be pedantic because you said <laughs> jumping to hyperspace. And I said, no, it's got to be making the jump to hyperspace. So there's going to be some pedantry involved because, you know. It's still us. We Star might be Wars. live, yeah. but it's still us. <laughs> We're going to be pedantic. But happy two-year anniversary! This is really exciting! Hi! Thank you, everyone, for joining us live on YouTube. Uh, if you're catching this out in podcast world, you can still go watch it on YouTube as well. It'll be there even after we're done being live. And so you can watch Chris and I not know what to do with our hands. I, I always know what to do with my hands. <laughs> that's that's As long as we're not sitting on a couch, as you will see. When I'm at a desk, I'm okay. Rude. I, <laughs> which is also, I think... A good segue into our trope of the day. Trope of the day live. live! All right, Katie, what is our trope of the day? Today's trope is uh, are are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? What can what can you tell us about are we the baddies? Other than it's from the wonderful, wonderful Mitchell and Webb show. Are we the baddies or the villainous POV? This is when a game, TV show, movie puts you in the bad guy's shoes. Often, though not always, you're the sympathetic villain. Uh, this trope, though, is just when your main perspective is a villain, is a bad guy in the universe that they exist in in some sort of context. Sometimes it can be you're running around as an evil overlord, or it can be as our game of the day implies, you're just living your empire life and you just happen to be the villain to other people. <laughs> your empire life. <laughs> that just sounds like a weird, cheesy, like, MTV show. <laughs> My empire life. My empire life. But, <laughs> as I said, of course, in our game of the episode, TIE Fighter, we play as the empire. We are a a pilot within the empire. Um mm -hmm. It's almost the equivalent to the bad track of X-Wing, uh, the game. Not the exact what? missions, but you know how like, you have two different ways you can go in a lot of games. You can pick villainous or good. And oh, this is, okay. Like, if if, if X-Wing and TIE Fighter were the same yeah, like merged game into one and had game. a moral choice system. Yeah. But which we're not, 
which I'm not really including in these examples are the moral choices just because that's you choosing you're you can choose to be the bad guy and that that works sometimes but these are characters who are built in bad guys that's kind of the way yeah. I was approaching this Star Wars squadrons where kind of what you were saying you literally bounce back and forth between the Imperial and rebel campaign Star Wars has a lot of this yeah a lot of Star Wars games, you end up playing as the Empire. You can either choose to, or a lot of times, like Battlefront 2, you're the 501st. Uh, Force Unleashed, both 1 and 2. I mean, you can eventually pick the good guys, but you start as Darth Vader's apprentice. You are a bad yeah. guy. You start as Darth Vader in the intro level. True. <laughs> but this does, of course, apply to games outside of Star Wars as well. Pretty much all the Grand Theft Autos, I feel like, fall into this because you're not you're not a good person in Grand no, Theft Auto. No, you you really aren't. You're you're just kind of you might be an anti-hero, but you're definitely not a good person. Which I guess anti-hero is kind of different than are we the baddies? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like Star Wars Battlefront is another one where you're. It's just the two factions, right? But like again, Grand Theft Auto, you're a bad guy. Hitman, I mean, you're a bad guy killing other bad guys so i'm not really sure that's that's more anti-hero i feel like he's still a world-class assassin yeah well as you said if you're an overlord literally the game overlord yeah which is just pikmin but you're a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) this shows up in obviously other mediums as well like tv shows obviously you've got the sopranos breaking Breaking bad Bad, i guess again that's almost anti-hero that's he's anti-hero. A meth, he's a meth dealer. He literally yeah. says, I am the one who knocks to imply he's the bad guy. That's <laughs> a line he does. Yeah, yeah. Then, I mean, pretty much all mob films, I feel like, fall into this category because the, the mo- mobs are not good necessarily. But a lot of those times they don't necessarily show them, like, they don't try to be the good guys. No, but that's not like what they always acknowledge that they're the monster. Yeah, but that's not what this is implying. You're just from their perspective. Yeah, that's You're trying, fair. You you end up feeling sympathetic towards these characters who aren't good people at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's my point. Yeah. There is a suggestion in the chat of Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother as a bad guy, and I love that <laughs> idea. <laughs> Fully appro- approve of that. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, for me, the the Fast and the Furious franchise, they're not good people in theory. They're car thieves. I mean, they end up Mm -hmm. saving the day or whatever, but they're car thieves at the end of the day. Family! All about the family. Yeah, gone in 60 seconds. Gone in 60 seconds. There's a lot of these. Yeah. Assassins, the musical. Mm. Which is literally, yeah, one act play about historical presidential assassins. Yeah, this is something that we get in so many different type of media that it's just it's a really common trope when you actually start looking into it that like oh wow we we want to root for the bad guys a lot because you know <laughs> it's it's like a self-insert thing right yeah. like i i want to detach myself and feel what it's like to be the bad guy because Absolutely. hopefully you're not actually going to do any of that stuff yeah, yeah that's valid <laughs> that's why are we the baddies or the villainous pov is today's video game trope of the day trope of the day, day live day day, day day on that though let's move into our main segment let's talk about the game chris tell me about tie fighter for the pc 
So, Star Wars TIE Fighter was released in 1994 for PC and Macintosh. It was developed by Totally Games and published by LucasArts. It was a sequel to Star Wars X-Wing, and TIE Fighter was notable because it was the first Star Wars game where you could play as the Empire. So this was this was a big deal, as we just talked about in the trope of the day. <laughs> So we always like to talk about uh, turnaround times. This game was released 17 months after X-Wing, which... <laughs> it's it's a weird combo of that's longer than some of the other early games we've covered that have turned around <clears throat> within a year. Yeah. But that also seems incredibly short for what they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially so it was, it was built based on X-Wing's game engine, mm -hmm. but they improved on it. So they added, I forgot to add in my notes, Garrosh shading, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was a struggle to figure out how to say that because I don't speak French well. It, uh, so they added Garrosh shading, which means you get better shading for low polygon models uh, in different lighting. And so it's better than just like flat shading, but it's not as resource intensive as say Fong shading. These are all and, words I don't know. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, pop quiz, fong shading. Does that ring a bell to you at all? No. You remember Reboot? <gasps> yes. Yep. Yes, the I do remember fong Reboot. <gasps> named after that. Oh, that makes sense. I love to hold the callbacks <laughs> of that show. We're going to get off topic, so we won't go there. Yes. Reboot the <laughs> So they added this gross shading. They added uh, an improved AI. And they added a bunch of gameplay features that weren't present in X-Wing, like some extra things here and there. Obviously, totally different amount of ships. Yeah. Uh, they added a bunch of functionality. We'll get to the actual critical acclaim later, but this was considered by some critics to be one of the greatest video games of all time, like when it came out and years in the future. Fun fact about this game. So Totally Games, when they made this game, they got a rental house in Fairfax, California, Marin That's County. Too funny. Which has a, uh, a, a personal connection to the podcast because we have family that live in that area. In that general so, vicinity. So That was a fun thing to see. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that the developer, Lawrence Holland, wasn't actually really a Star Wars fan. Like, he liked yeah. sci-fi, but, like, he didn't really care for Star Wars in particular, which is mm. hilarious to me. Yeah, it's like he was just kind of indifferent to it, which, if you... There's an article in PC Gamer, it's like the making of TIE Fighter, which I didn't want to quote too much because I always do that deep yes. dives into this, this dev history stuff. <laughs> but he talked about how it gave him, yeah, like, that outsider's perspective. And this game... Came came out right around when like the Legacy of the Force books, like the Timothy Zahn books came out. Mm. So like the Star Wars expanded universe was getting created. So like he was like first or second in the door for this expanded universe and they were letting them kind of do it. So he had uh, just a great amount of freedom to do what he wanted to. And I think that's why it has elements of this game have continued to pop up in Star Wars world as we move forward. I think because of its mm. prominence of when it came forward. I think because of the pop popularity of the game as well but i think the prominence of when it was becoming popular when this game came out really helped yeah. propel it into the spotlight in a way that maybe other games hadn't uh had the chance to because of timing wise there's a story you know with this with this whole eu thing where they were still figuring it out i think this was after the game actually came out they were at a board meeting and they showed george lucas the packaging for tie fighter like they gave him the box and he was like looking at the box and he looked at the back and he was just like this says something about the imperial Navy? There's no Navy in Star Wars. And then a moment later he said, well, I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
and then they just moved on. Like That's so typical George Lucas. Yeah, like, if you read anything about George Lucas, it's just like, when they come to him with these expanded universe stuff, he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't care about the nitty-gritty stuff. I don't, I don't think he cared about the main stuff for a while, but that's a topic for another day. Hey! <laughs> but getting into the critical response, as Chris said, this was considered one of the greatest te- games of all time. Still is considered up there. Computer Gaming World gave it a 5 out of 5. GameSpot gave it an 8.8 out of 10. Next Generation Magazine, a 3 out of 5. Rude. <laughs> and uh, Macworld gave it a 4.5 out of 5. One of the quote, the critics, uh, Game Bite Magazine gave its original release the very highest recommendation, citing numerous improvements over X-Wing. The reviewer called the graphics astonishing and noted improved artificial intelligence and in-flight information systems. The reviewer's single complaint was the lackluster ending, which we will discuss. Yes. So Edge Magazine praised many of the graphics and gameplay enhancements and new features over X-Wing, but described the missions as repetitive and complained that the game loses appeal when the player isn't fighting for the underdog rebellion, which I disagree with because I've seen a ton of other reviews that said everyone loved it because you got to play as the Empire. Yeah. So again, the, you know, come to the dark side has a lot of appeal. We have cookies. (laughs) Didn't put that (laughs) meme in my meme jar, but we have come to the dark side. That'd be great. (laughs) So it got a bunch of, I say awards, like, you know, as as many awards as as video games could get back then. Computer Gaming World and IGN added it to their Hall of Fame. And this was probably the the late 90s, early 2000s when they created this. IGN put it in its top 25 games of all time, twice. (laughs) It was number three in 2007, and then it moved up to number two in 2009. I appreciate that it goes up. Yeah. Uh, Strategy Plus called it the best game of 94. A bunch of other folks. Like, it was incredibly highly lauded. I don't disagree. <laughs> they actually had some expansions to this, talking about that that lackluster ending. They came out with a Defender of the Empire expansion that added the missile boat, three extra battles, which we'll go into later, and then, like, you know, the combat sim stuff mm-hmm. associated with that. Uh, that was, like, late 94? Yeah, it didn't come out too much longer after the game. In 95, they came out with the collector's CD-ROM, which is what we had. Yeah, that's what we and played when Lisa, we were... Lisa, I found it. It was under my thing. Wait, what, who? Hey! I have the manual, the TIE Fighter collector CD-ROM manual for the disc. That's what we had. That added an extra three battles. That added better graphics and an added voiceover. So we were right. The original game that we played, darn it. We haven't talked about that yet. That's okay. We're going we to be talk right about it in now. the rose section. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. <laughs> this is how it usually goes. Uh, Yes. <laughs> no, but it had voiceover. It mm-hmm. had so much. There's There was some controversy around these expansions and the added game because essentially if you wanted to play the full game, you had to buy a new version. They didn't They didn't have DLC back in the day. So right. they couldn't just add if you had the original game. You had to buy a whole new game, which people weren't exactly happy about at the time, but it's understandable because yeah. we just didn't have the capabilities to update online the way nowadays. Kids these days are spoiled. <laughs> this was brought up to my attention probably a couple months ago someone made a mod in x-wing alliance Mm -hmm. which is like two games from tie fighter because after this they had uh uh, x-wing versus tie fighter and then x-wing alliance someone took the x-wing alliance engine updated the graphics and added all the tie fighter stuff 
to it. So that's, uh, I think they call that the X-Way or the TIE Fighter Total Conversion mod. Yeah, which is so that is popular yeah. online. Yeah, and they added VR support. Yeah, the fact that fans, again, this is all that fan-based, everyone just wanted to keep living this game mm-hmm. into the future, even if it wasn't going to be supported anymore by LucasArts, just because they moved on fairly. Uh, yeah. it's, still, it's still well-loved. I think that's a good moment. So it's time to go back to the past, back before we had a chance to play the game and let's talk about our memories of tie fighter That music means we're back in the past, back before we had a chance to play the game, and we're live in Miami or pre-recorded in Miami. Oh, this doesn't say Miami on it. That would have been way cooler. Yay! Yay! Happy two-year anniversary to us, even though this is months before that happens. Well, we're remembering it now, so maybe we'll remember it later. Ha! So, Chris, we haven't played the game yet. Tell me, what do you remember about TIE Fighter? So, I have played this game not super recently, but within probably a handful of years, because I love this game so much. Like... When I found out that it was, well, slightly less legal versions on DOSBox, I found it. And then it's on good old games and Steam. So I own it on both of those right now and have played it. But I remember a lot about this game. The big thing that stands out to me about this game was we needed more memory in our old computer. <laughs> that makes it sense. It was, it, we, I don't know if we tried to play it or uh, knew from, you know, the requirements on the box. We had to bring it to a shop and buy more memory and I don't remember that that's we had to so wait funny. we had to wait like a week if not weeks yeah to get like four extra megs of memory <laughs> or something like that installed like an absurd like Obviously, it's it's a game. Nowadays, from, yeah, yeah. It, it it seems to have seen. Yeah, and again, this is the old computer that we've played all of our PC games on, basically up to this point. It sat in our parents' bedroom, so we were always limited in how often we could play it. Mm-hmm. This is a game that shocking no one when it comes to flight simulator style game. I mostly just watched Chris play <laughs> because I was bad at it. Yeah. And this wasn't even real flying; it was space flying. So With like space meters. Space. <laughs> Stupid space meters. Meters in space! So... Oh, God. So, it was a game I have a ton of memories of without, I think... I don't know if I ever played it, even. Like, I'm just... I genuinely Mm -hmm. try to remember if I actually sat and played the game. And if the most, I feel like, was you might be like, here, hold this while I go do something. Right. Because it was on the joystick. Like, we had the the really crappy black and red joystick we had. And I just... Yeah. I don't remember a ton of, of playing it, except for maybe in those moments. Yeah. I, I think you're going to have a lot easier time on this than Chuck Yeager, because I remember going from this game and X-Wing to Chuck Yeager, where you actually had to, like, roll and turn. Yeah. And this well, one, you just go left, it, and it, doesn't it need veers to be, left. The whole point of Chuck Yeager was to be accurate-ish. Yes. And this is not accurate to anything, because it was in space, and right. it was a, a, a vehicle that, in the grand scheme of things, you, you can't actually fly. Right. This is more when we talked about in um, the Tech Talk episode about flight sims. This yeah. is more of your arcadey flight yeah, sim. Yeah, it was for fun. Yeah. So I couldn't remember. I'm assuming we played this after X-Wing. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We had, a, we had a bootleg copy of X-Wing. Yes. With the, the Xeroxed, Xeroxed manual with the little codes. This didn't need any of that because it was a CD-ROM. Yay! So, Update. Because I remember having to go back into DOS and 
then go to, you know, go to the D drive or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Tie.exe. Go! That, that's actually really exciting. And it had that iconic that I still remember when I played it again the, the music of the LucasArts. Oh, sliding that's in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great call on that sound <laughs> effect. And, that, and that's, again, because I think I never played the game, I feel like the music and the sounds are what stick out to me. And, and watching, yes. Yeah. But like, those little things are what tend to pop up in my memory when I'm thinking of things. It's mostly sounds. I feel like the music was incredibly forgettable because just well, that's some fair. MIDI track. I do, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was voiced. So I thought it was voiced too. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate or not or if because I just there's made different, that Because there's different versions. There's like, you know, TIE Fighter oh, CD no. and then like TIE Fighter CD Deluxe. So I know the version that I have now has its voiced and the, the video's cutscenes are a little bit yeah. more complex. I think it still talked to you in the version that I you I want to say it talked to you. Even like yeah. if it's really garbled kind of basic stuff, yeah. I want to say it talked to you. But it, I think before we get too much more into the actual gameplay, mm-hmm. I want to discuss a little bit about the fact that this game obviously hit so many boxes for you in oh, particular. Yeah. But for both of us, the reason I liked watching this game, so I always liked watching video games, but we loved Star Wars. Oh, absolutely. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but I realized this is the first time we're playing a Star Wars game for the podcast. Yeah. And we loved Star Wars. We used to watch it on VHS all the time as kids, like really bootleg VHS copies of yeah. the movies. And it was amazing. And we loved it. So having Chris having a flight simulator game, so he gets mm-hmm. to fly and do all that. And it's Star Wars. Yeah. Like... This was like our first exposure to any of these sort of expanded universe type right. stuff, right? Like, and and I don't think I had a concept of canon versus expanded universe right, right. versus like, so it was just like, this is just more Star Wars in my mind. That's okay, but yeah. it just, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I differentiated back then that this might not be canonical because I don't, I don't think mm. I knew what the word canonical was. Right. <laughs> I shoot things. Yes. Oh, you're, that's, that's a That's a different canonical. That's a different canonical. That's way, way different. But that's, but like, that's why like Star Wars was just, we love Star Wars. And that's why this game also, I think, stuck out and and meant so much. I think you enjoyed playing it, of course, but I think that's why it stuck out so much more to me than like, I remember you playing Chuck Yeager, but I remember much more of TIE Fighter. And I think because it was Star Wars, I was more interested in it. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, they had, they had uh, Admiral Thrawn in it. He was a character. Who is now come into the canonical universe so i know that's weird as of recording he's <laughs> legit ish you think timothy zahn gets any sort of royalties for creating that character no nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing. i mean i remember him i remember like admiral harkoff admiral zarin both of those guys were like traitors yes spoiler yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> spoilers spoilers because there is a plot to this game. Mm-hmm. I remember that the setup was very similar to X-Wing, where it's yeah. like, here's your training, here's your um, practice skirmishes, and then here's your campaign. Right. And the campaign was like four to like four to eight missions it or something like that. It wasn't long. No. It was not a long game. And... I think that was good for us back then. So you felt like you accomplished something pretty easily in this kind of game. In not a mean way, but like in a, you got it done. And you're like, yes. 
did I, it. I think one of the big things I remember about this game is that it was the same as X-Wing where it had cheats. Yes. But in this one, you could actually advance in the campaign with the cheats on. Ooh, does that mean I can do that when we play? Yes, I, I still do it in the current playthroughs. Yay, get the cheat. Yay. To, I mean, who knew? Flying a TIE fighter is hard because they're... Shock and horror, they're, it's hard. Uh, weak little, weak little aircrafts. <laughs> Producer Kyle just showed us the. Are, are we, we the, the baddies? baddies yes. Yes, we are the baddies, and it's fun. <laughs> they try to put a spin on it. They do. They do. That, that pro-imperial propaganda, from what I remember, because you had like the one officer you always talked to, and then there was like the dude in the, the robes that was like, oh god, the yeah. secret guy or whatever. It, they they did, again. They tried to enwrap it in the main universe as much as possible. Yeah. And there were cutscenes. Like yeah. they weren't long and epic, Mm-mm. but there were cutscenes. And again, there was more. It was more than just a flight sim. Right. There was more to it than that. Again, another reason I think it stuck with me, and I right. I actually enjoyed it. Enjoyed watching it more as much as I liked Chuck Yeager is because I actually understood what was happening because mm-hmm. there was actually something to understand. Yeah. Not just a World War II, but not World War II battle for Chuck Yeager. But, I mean, that was part of it. But, yes. Yeah. Fine. It was historical. not just a war, historical battle yeah. that I had no context of. I knew the context because they told me the context. Yeah. I, I remember it being such a massive step up from X-Wing, right? Like, the yeah. graphics-wise, sound-wise. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things of, like, you want to root for the good guys and stuff like that. But it's fun being the bad guys, too, sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, I, I didn't care. I just wanted to fly around and yeah, that sounds shoot right. things. <laughs> that... It's a terrible thing to say when I say it out loud. But, yeah. <gasps> it's fine. <laughs> that tracks. Going back to the sounds, I remember, in, and also kind of the playthrough, the you had like primary objectives, secondary objectives, sure. which are the robed dude, and then secret objectives. Yes, I do remember that. And they wouldn't show you the secret objectives. Like, you could kind of infer them. Um, well, early, I feel like early missions, they were like hinted at more, and then so yeah. they, they kind of, the, more, the further you got in the game, the more buried the secret missions would feel. Mm-hmm. I remember as soon as I wrote down my note about primary objectives, whatever, I remember uh, when you mess up and fail, there's like the the line. This is why I think that it was voiced or it sticks out to me. It's like abort mission, mission of failure. And then like the officer dude comes on like the, the radio and like chides you and makes fun of you. Yeah, because they're the baddies. They're yeah. not going to be nice to you about it. They're not going <laughs> to be like, that's okay. They're like, way to screw up. I mean, not in those words, but still, they're going to call you out. Yeah. Random producer note. I think there's some astronauts that might take issue with host Chris referring to it as not real flying because it's in space. There's a, a fair point in that, but this is not real space. I call it a space sim. It's not a space sim because, you know, these things wouldn't work in space unless you've developed reactionless drives. So, not quite the same, so but yes, fair point. In space. Nerd. Yeah, I know. With some technological leaps, but, you know, Star Wars. It is Star Wars. This is a long time ago. We lost the technology they had. Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like I could talk about this game forever because I remember so much about it. But we'll leave that for the main episode. Let's just go to scores now. Katie, what is your Rose score of this game? And again, this is going to be one of the ones, and I don't even think I ended up rating Chuck Yeager, which is probably Mm -hmm. a bit of a cop-out. (laughs) <laughs> now that we've done enough episodes, I probably should have rated it anyway. Nah. So I won't 
do that again. But it is tough because I I didn't play this game. I just yeah. genuinely don't remember playing it. I remember watching you play. But I loved watching you play. I also know the reason I didn't play mm. was because I was going to suck and get confused and get mm -hmm. overwhelmed. So I can't give it higher than a seven. Just because I don't think I would have played it well or I didn't want to. I didn't actively want to play this game. I actively wanted to watch this game. Which and that's is very different. Yeah. So what about you though, Chris? You not only actively played the game, you've continued to play it over the years. I mean, not, Rose's score is a nine and a half. I would almost give it a perfect 10, but I'm fairly certain I got stuck in one of the campaigns and that, that sounds right. annoyed me. Yeah. So only because I couldn't finish the game, I'm going to give it a nine and a half. That's valid. <laughs> Even with cheats, you couldn't finish? No, just because of the objectives, you had to Ooh. probably guard someone and they always Ooh. died. Yeah, we know how those know what goes. I was doing, yeah. Escort missions. <laughs> Calling all the episodes back in this <laughs> anniversary episode. Okay, then what's your predicted score for playing it again? I'm going to go with a nine. I really think, because again, obviously I've played it within the past, you know, five years. Sure. I'm going to give it a nine. I think it's going to hold up fairly well, even compared to, I would say, more modern flight sims, but there aren't really any good ones. As we discussed with Chuck Yeager, there yeah, just aren't really like, modern flight sims. Even anymore, like very Squadrons few. is not... I feel like Squadrons is almost incredibly shallow compared to this mm, game. That's really interesting. Yeah. What about you? What is your predicted score now that you're actually going to go back and play it? Oh, God. Or just play it, I guess. I'm going to play it. Yeah. I'm going to give it an eight because I feel like the plot and the Star Wars-ness is going to pull me more mm -hmm. in than I could have with Chuck Yeager. Like, I just couldn't connect to Chuck Yeager, mm -hmm. which is, of course, my touch point on this because it's the flight sim we played. Right. I can connect to Star Wars. Yeah. I do connect to Star Wars. It's something that I have been passionate about my whole life, and so I feel like I'm more likely to make more of an effort to connect to this game, and mm -hmm. so I think it's going to be an eight, because I do have great memories of watching it, and I know mm -hmm. in a biased way of what you've said about it that yeah. you've enjoyed the way it plays a lot better, so I'm going to get it an eight out of ten, hoping that that can overcome my crappy flying skills. I again, way easier than Chuck Yeager. So. I mean, at least I won't crash into the ground. Uh, that's true. You will not crash into the ground. I'll just crash into a Star Destroyer. Uh, that's a that's a cheat. You can just fly straight through it. Ooh. Yeah. Can she stall out? Uh, no, also. so. This uh, is going to go great. One of my favorite clips <laughs> of that episode. Uh, so there you have it. Our Rose scores are a 7 and a 9 and a half. And then our predicted scores are an 8 and a 9. I know we say this a lot, but I'm really, really, really looking forward to playing this again. Yeah. I cannot wait, and I cannot wait to stream it so I could just babble about Star Wars the entire time while I'm doing it. Yeah, there'll be a lot of Star Wars trivia in the streams <laughs> that you've already seen. So I think it's time to play that Chiacarina of Time, head back to the present where we are live talking to you if you're watching with us, and we'll see y'all then. Let's play that Chiacarina of Time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye from Miami. <laughs> And we're back to the present. Welcome back to the present, everyone. It's time to talk about the game now that we've played the game. So, Chris, let's go more into that plot of TIE Fighter. There is a plot. So the plot of TIE Fighter, it picks up soon after the Battle of Hoth or the Empire's victory over the Dirty Rebels at Victory. Uh, you play as, in the game, an unnamed pilot. But if you read the strategy guide or novella that was released after this, you are 
Merrick Steele. Often misspelled online. Yes. Fun fact, this pilot, he was in the X-Wing miniatures game as a card for a pilot. I looked through my stuff because I played that game for a bunch. I do not have his card, so I can't show it off because the meta didn't support TIE Advance at the time, which is what he flew. (laughs) That's funny. So picks up after Hoth. It follows just the development through like, you know, the Empire making new weapons, new new TIE fighters. You get the TIE Advanced. You get the TIE Defender, eventually the missile boat. You just go through various actions against rebels. You also fight pirate factions. At some point, you intervene in a civil war. Like, you help one side, then you help the other side, then you just pretty much defeat both sides and you're like yo cut it out stop it stop that nonsense uh the original game so we said that there was kind of a bunch of different missions the original plot ended with one of the traitors uh admiral zarin kidnaps the emperor in a coup which is wild which is yeah which is just crazy to think about dude can shoot lightning out of his hand and gets kidnapped somehow but you have to save the emperor that is the end of the first story. The uh, expansion pack ends when you essentially destroy a gigantic factory that was manufacturing TIE Defenders because the Empire wanted, you know, TIE Defenders to be their own. So you blow up this big factory defended by a ton of stuff. And the third act, you know, the CD, CD-ROM ends with you defeating, capturing Admiral Zarin, and it ends literally right before Return of the Jedi. So much so, it's the Battle of Endor, and literally the ending scrawl is like, yes, with the Empire sure victory on Endor, we will yeah. end this battle. And, you know, you're yeah. like, Ooh, It's am, like, we got a surprise for those rebels at Endor. This falls into uh, the trope of your your uh, terrorists or other people's heroes or vice versa. Yes. <laughs> like, depends on your perspective. Is it Endor or a moon of Endor? Well, they say the Battle I mean, it's of It's the Endor. Battle of Endor. It's the Battle of Endor, which was about a moon around Endor. Yeah. Because I feel like they use them in interchangeably and it makes me angry well it's the forest moon of endor which is what they always say (laughs) it's complicated (laughs) to say it's a mixed ending in that sense because you've learned to be part of the empire and you're about you know you're about to lose but at the same time it's star wars the good guys have to win but who are the good guys we're just we're just fighting pirates and keeping those dirty rebels from those terrorists. They call them terrorists. The, yeah. Parts of the game. They also talk about interrogation, mm-hmm. but they say like interrogation in quotes. Yeah. So it's like, it's, oh no. It's, it's not good. All the story elements are pretty much told to you in the mission briefings and in cutscenes, like we called in the Rose section. There are yeah. actually voiceovers and cutscenes and you meet Ma and Moth there and on mothma mothma i keep wanting to call him mothra 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 (laughs) no mon mothma you see mon mothma she's the only female to show up in the whole game so there you go and she's very minimal technically the pirate leader at the end of battle 10 was a female oh okay she's just captured and made to serve the emperor afterwards History is written by the victors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much the plot. There's, I mean, it's the, the missions are varied. We let's 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 talk about the mechanics of the game yeah. because that's there was a plot. But that's not why everyone played the game. Yeah. So uh, this this game we we talked about in the rose section. It was what I call an arcade shooter. It is a technically a six degree of freedom simulator, which means you you know you have all 
six axis, you know, you little pitch y'all, whatever, whatever. It's not like, so one thing that, that I forgot we said in the Rose section was that, like, this was our first Star Wars EU experience, but we had played X-Wing, obviously. Yeah. And we had played Rebel Assault. I don't know if you remember that at all. No. I Rebel Assault was an old, no. especially the flying sections were rail shooter type stuff. But oh, this that's was, the same. yeah, no, that's why I said this is a full sixed off simulator, but it was a coordinated simulator. So it was like, if you went left on the joystick, you would kind of veer instead of, as we talked about in Chuck Yeager, where normally where you would roll, which would just be a roll and you would have to pull up to turn. If you went left, it would just make you kind of veer left. You would roll a little bit. So at some point you would end up upside down, but you could just go up and down and then left and right. So it's, it's a lot more approachable. I went upside down a lot, I'm pretty oh, sure, yeah. because I was getting dizzy some of this playthrough because I'm like just yeah. kind of spinning and you because of the free spin, which is both good and bad because you can go anywhere, but it also meant I was like, I don't know where I'm pointed. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, but it also rough on my brain. Who can Yeah, that's it. fair. So it's one of the easier types of flight sims that you could do. And there's no ground, which is helpful. Yeah, like, and you could turn off collisions. Right? Oh yeah, that's there was that was a big thing. There was three types of cheats that that we remembered from Rose, where you could turn off collisions, you could have unlimited ammo, and you could be invincible essentially. Yeah. And I always played with those All because it's just. It's just more fun that way, oh, honestly. It's more fun. The game's it's hard enough stressful. as is, especially especially early game when you're playing TIE Fighters and anything without shields. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to know. Even though the game is called TIE Fighter, you fly other things outside of TIE Fighters throughout the game. Uh, you fly pretty much the entire arsenal uh, that was known to that point, plus some other stuff like TIE Fighter, TIE Interceptor, TIE Bomber, Assault Gunboat, which is like a Lambda shuttle that's been modified. For, for anyone in the watching the live stream, here are all the different types of TIE fighters out there. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't fly all of them, but oh my God, there are a lot. Yes. TIE Advanced, which was Darth Vader's TIE fighter, sort of. Sort of. TIE Defender. TIE Bomber. TIE, yeah, I said TIE Bomber. Did you? Keep up. <laughs> but you do get to do a bunch of different TIE adjacent crafts but there's also the imperial yes. shuttle imperial shuttle no the uh gunship assault gunboat the gunboat which was based on the shuttle and the missile boat they look the same they do and those can go into hyperspace which is why my beginning entry <laughs> is still accurate for this game because you go into hyperspace in those yes well and that was yeah because ties couldn't and so if you wanted to end well if you wanted to end the mission you could just hit q which was you know yes. kind of cheating but yes. But it made things faster because as we are playing, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. A yeah. lot of it. Of like, yeah. get there, get there, get there. You have to do this in a certain amount of time before it blows up or before your dumb, dumb helpers blow something <laughs> up that you don't want them to blow up. And then... Hold on to that thought. Yeah. Let's 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 barrel through the rest of this no, stuff. No, I know. But then, then you'd be waiting for things to show up. Yeah. So the base area, kind of the hub world, if you will, was divided up, as, as we remembered, into like three areas. There was the training course... Mm -hmm which was like an obstacle course. They had that in X-Wing where you're just flying through a bunch of gates and, and shooting at targets and shooting at targets. It's a timed thing. You could get patches from that if you got like seven levels in. There was a what they called the combat simulator, which was really your your tutorial-esque type stuff, which yeah. I thought they did a really good job with the tutorials there if you stepped through everything because they would tell you all the keys that you needed. So it's like, you know, hit this key, hit this key. This is how you modify everything 
everything. Yeah, it was like, this is how you use the keys. Because here's another thing I'm going to put on the screen for all the people watching live. There are so many controls to this game. Oh, yeah. Holy moly, I did not remember this. Of like... (laughs) All That's because you buttons. never played it before well, this. Yeah, I thought I had. I didn't. There's no way I did because there's so <laughs> many controls. I actually had this screen. I screenshotted this screen and had it next to me on a screen next to me as I'm playing <laughs> so I could have it as a reference guide as I was playing because there's so many and it's just, it stressed me out. To su- I mean, I, you didn't use most of them most of the time, but just in case you needed it, I just had this sitting on my screen. There was a core amount that you needed. Yeah. There's a reason why when I started, I streamed a couple times with with just normal streaming. And then I was like, I really need to show a video of what my hands are doing during this game. Because it's a lot. Like, it, it was a so lot. So if you look at some of the VODs, there's a lot, especially if you want to take advantage of everything that they added, which I think is in credit to this game. I got distracted again. Let me talk about the campaigns. I, but that's that's part of it. You were learning that in the combat yes, simulator. Fair enough. And then you have the battle area, which is the actual yes. plot in the campaign. So this yes. is where you would go into a room and there were a couple different things you would do. You'd go up to a screen that showed you the mission, but it was the map, the mission map. Yeah. Uh, so they'd show you your enemies. They'd show you where you and your, your teammates were going in and kind of general movements. Then you had the mission briefing where you could get that kind of in details again and ask a little more specifically like, what ship am I going to be flying? What yeah. What are my final goals? What's my, what's my opposition? What's my opposition. Yeah. And that was all for your primary goal of the mission because there was always primary goals. Then sometimes, or almost always, there were secondary goals. Where you got your secondary goals was the hooded cloaked figure. The cloaked figure. Mm. He would always be off to the side and you'd go up to him and be like, how do I serve the Empire? Or Emperor. It was just specifically the Emperor. It was like, how do I serve my Emperor? It was like the secret order of the Emperor or something like that. Yeah. So these, yeah, your secondary goals just like kind of above and beyond. Which weren't required to be the mission yeah you didn't you didn't need to do that to finish the mission yeah sometimes when there was you saw the door where he would normally stand yeah. and it was closed mm-hmm. i was almost relieved sometimes because i was like oh god good there's nothing i need to nothing extra i need to worry about because normally that's the more stressful of like you can't just blow that ship up you need to you like, have to inspect, d- inspect something or disable something and then there were secret missions which you yes. just discovered along the way a lot of times which we said they they didn't show you. Yeah. You could kind of telegraph what they were based on some of the other goals. When it was like, destroy this ship. And the bonus goal would be like, well, inspect it. And then maybe... Capture it. Capture it. Mm-hmm. Or like, if you had to disable a craft for a secondary goal, you would have whatever ship would board it and capture it actually finish this mission without getting destroyed. Right. Or it'd be like, hey, your primary mission is destroy all the X-Wings. And then your bonus mission was destroy all the Y-Wings. Like, sometimes it was that simple, too, of just, like, you don't have to destroy all the other enemy ships, but if you do, you get a bonus. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the mechanics of the game, and you'd go through, and then there would be different battles that had different missions from within. So they normally were kind of linked in a row of, like, battle one was, like, find these ships. Battle two was, oh, well, you've captured them. Now you need to follow the one to a different location or something. Like, they normally were associated. That was mission two within battle one. Yeah. Well, because there was was always different types of goals, right? Right. Destroy, disable, inspect, wait for something to arrive Protect. and survive. Yeah. Yeah. Escort. There are some escort missions. Escort missions. 
auditions. Those were the worst. They are awful. As we said in the rose, it all comes up. <laughs> there, there was a decent amount of, of varied missions, but as, as you said, the, some of them were very hurry up and wait. Yeah. Especially if you use the cheats. If you were doing well and got rid of all the enemies quickly, you would have to sit there for five, ten minutes yeah. waiting for stuff to fly around, which is good. They had a handy feature where you could speed up time. What? So, you didn't yes. tell me this. Well, you never needed it. <laughs> I think it's time to get into our actual experience, speaking of. Like, how did we feel when we're actually playing? Because, yeah, I did about as much as I expected to do, which was not a ton, because I'm awful at these kind of games. And I (laughs) needed basically Chris as my co-pilot to help me not fail. Well, as you said earlier, there's so many buttons. And again, why well, I said that I had that secondary camera to show what I was doing on the keyboard and what I was doing with the joystick. There was just so much going on. It's And, and you were playing with a controller. Yeah, so I was playing with an Xbox controller. Which I think is a massive disadvantage because I literally had to play with one hand on the joystick and one hand on the keyboard. It's just the only way because there's so many keys like off the top of my head, W, switching weapons, X, switching how many of those weapons you could use are nearest enemy t is toggle the different targets enter is uh, match the speed of your target the square brackets left and right square brackets was two-third and one-third throttle backspace was was zero throttle no and full. that mattered when you were full dog fighting and full throttle for backspace yep i said it wrong again backspace <laughs> is full throttle back backslash is zero. I need more than Chris. <laughs> <laughs> there was other screens that you could look at. There was the goals screen that would tell you what you had to do. Yeah, there was... Um, you could go from the perspective of whatever ship you're targeting. Yeah, there was a map. The map was incredibly important. There was so much going on. It was really overwhelming at times, but there was still it was still a lot of fun. It was still Star Wars. The AI oh, yeah. were dumb. It Both smart and dumb. They were very, <laughs> very good at certain things, and they could target things for you and you could send them to locations and everything like that. In general, for AI, they were better than most at the time period, especially. Like, you weren't gonna have AI as smart as them. But good lord, they would just, you you would have a mission that's like, hey, don't destroy this ship. Escort it. And they'd be like, we shot it for you. You're welcome. And you're like, oh oh, no. Which is is why they helpfully had commands like, ignore target or go home. Katie, you sent me a, a, a thing where it's like, yeah, there's the mission where you literally have to save the Emperor and you have to tell your wingman not to shoot the shuttle that he's in. Even if they the should emperor. know because it's the damn emperor in the shuttle. Don't shoot the emperor. Don't I mean- shoot the emperor. <laughs> So not always helpful, but they did contribute, at least. They didn't completely miss every shot. They were contributing. It was a lot, though. It was overwhelming, especially for me, who isn't a big flight sim person. Mm -hmm. It it was really overwhelming after a while. Like, there's just so much to do. And it's not a bad thing, necessarily, but it took me so many sessions in the training sessions and the combat simulator to even just know what I was doing. And a joystick is pretty much required for any of the more, the CD-ROM. Mm. version so not everyone has joysticks just laying around so that's why i used a controller for it but that's just it's tough like you can't even play the game with mouse if you wanted to because it requires a joystick if you're if you're playing through steam which i was it was like you need to put a joystick in yeah um and so that's that can be it's hard to then get into it if you're new because of things like that and it's not even the control stuff like all those buttons that i talked about are literally just the controls for the aircraft yeah there's like as i was saying the map screen which is helpful because they do a good job of throwing enemies like if you're not careful 
You'll go chase someone that's like 10 clicks away, and then all of a sudden you've left people behind coming from a different direction. Yeah. The map is helpful. Yeah, like there was the one screen where you could literally pull up what a target's doing. Yeah. And it's like, he's attacking this person, and he's uh, there's this much time, and he's this far away. Like, if you didn't know about that screen and check it constantly, the game is super, super... I mean, it's hard anyways. But that's why using the cheats made it so much easier. Oh, yeah. Of having unlimited ammo so I didn't have to stall. For having invincibility. Like, it just, it made the game playable for someone like me. So it's funny that the game had these levels of, not gatekeeping, but, like, making it tougher to play Mm. because of how complicated it was. But then it's almost like they acknowledge that. And so they're like, to make it up to you, here are things to make it easier. I mean, I also played with the cheats. And there were levels that I had to do many many times like i remember i got to that there it was like battle 10 Mm -hmm. mission one where you've got to wait for two shuttles to dock and then when they finish docking disable one protect the other and destroy everything that's too much even with cheats you've got to be so on the ball like there's so much this game is so there's so much going on and i said this in the rows games like star wars squadrons they're great games they're gorgeous games but they just didn't have that complexity like which which makes it more i won't even say more approachable because that's not fair like but this game was so deep so yeah there's a lot going on hard to approach at times but not it's a very weird mix yeah but I think because of the genre itself, because it's Star Wars, people are going to be more than willing to try. Yeah. And I, I think that's a huge part of it. It's one of the reasons, as I said in the rose, why I liked watching, despite there being a lot of waiting oh, and yeah. doing nothing. Because it's still, it's Star Wars. You get to fly a TIE fighter. That's and freaking cool. Graphically, it was amazing at the time. And like, <laughs> now. <laughs> every, well, now it's not great. But like every, every different uh, aircraft has a different shaped cockpit. So many gauges, essentially, that you have to look out for. Like engine power, laser power, shield power, if you have it. Beam power, how many warheads you have. Because there's different types of warheads you could yeah. pick. And, you know, there's the scopes, so that's your radar. And the little heads heads down and heads up display. It's, there's there's, there's so, so much. much going on, and it's, they had different ones. I was going to say, the nuances of each ship having a different layout was really impressive to me. I'm like, oh, mm. things have moved because I'm in a different ship, and I appreciate that. I, I do that. remember seeing you on stream. We but were like, ah, where is stuff now? It's complicated. Yeah. We talked about how the music was mostly forgettable. Yes. But they had, like, let motifs that would queue at different times. Ah. So, like, if you you would just be flying around, it's normal music. If enemies jumped in, they would play a cue, like the music would change. If a craft was, an ally was destroyed, they would play a little music key. That's true. And that was a way to, because they, they showed stuff on the bottom, on, like, the little text screen that you could check if you hit L, it would show the log, whatever. Yeah. But that was a way to be like, oh, something just happened. I need to figure out what just happened. So, like, even if the music was forgettable, and I, re- I remember once most of it once we came back to it, but just the fact that they would play those little musical cues when important things were happening, I thought was so interesting and helpful. No, I agree, and I I think it's interesting because they it, that adds to the whole experience of the sim element of it. I mean, yeah. Well, in it's, real it's life, a, it's immersion. Like. It's immersion. Yeah. In real life, you wouldn't get music or anything. But not, they not only had the musical cues, but yeah. things like you, you, we talked about, you know, getting the mission wrong in the rose segment. But like they would, they'd tell you, you screwed up, or you 
need to be careful because the ship that you're yeah. supposed to be protecting is under attack. They they would tell you these things as part of immersion, and I, I did mm-hmm. appreciate that because it, it's tar- it's hard to keep track of everything, so they helped you keep track of everything. Yeah, I thought this game was very well put together, but I'm going to say that again because we could finally go into conclusions. And so, I've, so, I've hit my notes. Fair enough. So with all that said, and again, tons to say about this. We could probably talk even longer about this, but we do have to cut ourselves off at some point or another. Uh, yes. well, Chris will be here for days. So Chris, what is your <laughs> final score for TIE Fighter. It's nine and a half. It's not even uh, not even a question. The graphics haven't aged well, but I thought the gameplay is just so good. Uh, as we said, there's some hurry up and wait, but I think it's, it's as approachable as it can be. It can be overwhelming, mm-hmm. but for me... I, I know the game well enough. Like, just going back and playing it, and I said I played it a couple handful of years ago. I, I'm going to finish it at some point. Like, I, I don't think I quite finished the game, but I love this game, and I think it still holds up fairly well in terms of arcade shooter flyer type things. It's, ugh. I love playing this game again. <laughs> what about you, Katie? What is what is your final score? I think my final score has to be a seven and a half, only because there was just so much. It was mm. so overwhelming, and it was so hard for me to start, to just look at those yeah. controls and be like, holy moly, there's so much to do, and there's so much going on. And it's funny, by the time I actually started getting into the missions and doing it, I felt more comfortable, and I, I liked it a lot more than I almost anticipated. If you'd asked me after just doing some of those training sims in the game, I would have been like, this is like a five. It's a five, because I just, I can't, mm. I can't control, I'm confused, there's a lot going on, there's so many buttons, I can't handle this. But actually getting into the game, actually getting into the plot, actually playing through with the different ships and everything like that. I was like, yeah. this is way more enjoyable than I was feeling before. I felt less overwhelmed in the missions, ironically enough, than I did in some of the training simulations. And I, I'm not sure. I think it's because even though they were trying to help me by telling me what to do, when I didn't do it in a timely manner, I started panicking. And so, <laughs> so when I was in the missions, you have a little bit more flexibility on that. And I think that helped. So not as high of a score as I think you would have wanted me to give. Yeah. Uh, but for a flight sim for me... That's not half bad. <laughs> so a seven and a half. I predict I was going to give an eight, so slightly lower, but higher than my rose score of a seven, which was probably BS because I never played this game. <laughs> I'm still going to say a joystick would have been better. Probably. And and I say that, and if you look at the VODs, it's these old joysticks. And this was something I think we talked about on your stream. Yeah. It was something that I was totally unconscious that I was doing. And I, do, I just wiggled a joystick right around the dead area because old joysticks are terrible. So it's yeah. like trying to keep that breakout force to zero because you need to be so precise. I'm glad this isn't actually on camera because what I'm doing with my hand looks fairly obscene. <laughs> But uh, anyway, would you recommend someone to play this? If you love Star Wars, yes. It's worth a shot just for a little bit. It has the introduction of characters that make their way into the canon universe, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. It's it's a classic. Is it going to be frustrating? Absolutely. Especially if you don't know flight sims very well. But it was a lot of fun. You can get used to it. If you can get a joystick, do it. But a controller worked. It was harder, but it worked for me. Or, you know, play Steam, the original version on Steam, which you can buy all the different versions on Steam. And then you can use a keyboard, which sounds awful to me, but... Yeah, you could just do that. Uh, and a mouse. The mouse is the more important part of that. Did Did you set it to easy? Yeah, of course. Okay. I just, I did, I just wanted to make sure you knew that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Of course I was on easy mode. Uh, so I definitely would recommend it to Star Wars fans, especially Flight Sim Star Wars fans, which I, I believe is a pretty select group, but still. Yeah. <laughs> 
still, they would enjoy it. What about you, Chris? I, I assume you would recommend it. Oh, of course. Go go and play it if you like Flight Sims. Well, if yeah, if you like Flight Sims, go play it because play. it's it's a fun fly around. Yeah. It's not going to be realistic. No, but. It's in if you like space Star Wars, and if you meters. like if you like Star Wars Squadrons, go play this damn game because it's better, in my opinion. <laughs> everyone, honestly, thank you, everyone, for showing up today on live. Really appreciate you guys hanging out. It's been a ton of fun. So maybe we'll do another one of these at some point in time. We'll figure it out. But we're not going to do it live. But Chris, what's our next episode going to be? Our next episode is Final Fantasy VII. It's Yay! finally time. It's Final Fantasy VII time. This was supposed to be our second episode. We had talked about it. And then we it. realized we should so not early. do that. Final Fantasy VII. We're so excited. It's going to come out. The episode will be out in four weeks because we are still playing the game. <laughs> Because it's a long game, guys, but we love it so much. Check out the stream over on Twitch, uh, GWGW Show. Talk to us on social media. We love hearing from you all. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, GWGW Show, or Games We Grew Up With. If you're watching live, you know we're on YouTube at Games We Grew Up With. If you're listening to the VOD, please check out Games We Grew Up With on YouTube. We have fun clips there. You're going to see this episode and all of our shenanigans there. So there's going to be extra stuff on the live version of the episode that you won't have heard on your podcasting platform so check <laughs> that out if you want to see some more fun stuff and genuinely thank you so much for everyone it's been two years since we started this podcast we've had so it's much been so much fun. fun yeah it's so great getting to know all of you it's so great interacting with everyone it, it's just it means so much to us we've had so much fun so far so thank you so much here's to another year of absolute nonsense that we're going to be passing on <laughs> thank you to our producers you guys are the backbone of what we do we really couldn't do this without you i know normally chris says that but i stole his line today <laughs> That's fair. I did a ton of talking today. You did all the talking today. <laughs> but again, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Uh, we really look forward to seeing you on some of our other platforms. Anything, yeah. Anything else, Chris? Say goodbye, Katie. <laughs> goodbye, Katie. Yeah, bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. start that again <laughs> that hey is- it's our first mess up on live stream live stream your first do-over <laughs> <laughs>